This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. This podcast brought to you by My Patriot Supply. Did you miss the chance to get a 72-hour emergency food supply with free shipping for just 10 bucks? What's wrong with you? Don't worry. Call 888-411-7440 right now. They have a few left, and they're selling out fast. 888-411-7440. What are you waiting for? A disaster? Do it right now. 888-411-7440. And now, the Blaze Radio Network presents 40 Acres and a Fool. Here's your host, Cam Edwards. Greetings from the near frontier, and thank you for tuning in to another edition of 40 Acres and a Fool from the Blaze Radio Network. I'm your host, Cam Edwards. I suppose I'm not actually coming to you from the near frontier today. As a matter of fact, I am uh, up in the D.C. area for a week, and it's uh, it's not been the best week for me to actually uh, leave the farm. Those of you who are uh, following along, uh, Miss E's Instagram, Corny Goat Farm, or my Instagram, or uh, Twitter, at uh, Cam Edwards, you know that uh, over the weekend on Halloween, as a matter of fact, uh, Miss E fell and broke her ankle. Yeah. Not good times. It was, uh, it sucked. <laughs> to be really honest with you, it sucked. It was a beautiful, I mean, it was it was kind of a cloudy day, but it was warm on Halloween, and uh, we had a couple of hours to kill before we met some friends in the little town of Scottsville, which was uh, turning itself into Hogwarts, and the kids were all excited. And I, I, I told Missy, I said, let's just go for a walk. Let's let's walk around and enjoy uh, the weather and, you know, go explore the woods a little bit. And so we did, and we tromped all around the farm and had a great time. We were uh, foraging for mushrooms. We didn't eat any by the way, but uh, we were foraging for mushrooms. We're going to check and make sure uh, which ones were edible, which ones were not. And uh, as we were walking back to the house, we were about, I don't know, 15 feet from the back door. And uh, one of the goats, Frankie, was up on uh, our picnic table. And uh, Miss E strode purposefully towards Frankie to get down right and stepped in a hole. And she went down herself. And the mushrooms went flying. And her ankle went snap, and uh, we ended up spending Halloween afternoon uh, in the emergency room of the hospital there in uh, Farmville, Virginia, and uh, yeah, it was it was pretty awful. Got home. Obviously, the uh, Halloween plans had changed. I, I, I feel good that we um, were able to get the kids in costumes. My uh, youngest son went as Marty McFly. My uh, youngest daughter went as Anne Bonnie, or, or maybe just a generic pirate uh and um and then i ended up taking them uh trick-or-treating and my uh, 15 year old son stayed at home with miss e and uh and watched over her for an hour or so and uh and since then miss e has been uh largely immobilized she has crutches to get around but uh it's going to be a uh fairly lengthy recovery process and that is annoying for miss e because she's as you know uh she's a very active person, right? She's always doing something. And so for her to be stuck uh, on the couch right now, not doing really anything other than what she can do with her hands, uh, it has been less than a week and it is already getting very, very old for Miss E. And then to make matters worse, I I had to go away this week. I had to go away for work, uh, which sometimes happens, you know, um, working at uh, NRA News Cam and Company, you have a show to do every day. And um, it was just one of those weeks where I I had to be up in the D.C. area. So my kids actually had to step up and help out, which um, they've done. I have to say, that's been the one silver lining of all of this is actually, oh, look, my kids can do all of these chores that uh, that they don't think they can. My 15-year-old's been making dinner. Uh, The 10-year-olds have been walking the dogs and feeding the animals. They've been walking up to the bus every morning. Uh, I imagine without complaint walking home uh, in the afternoon, they're getting it done. I'm, I'm, I'm very, very pleased to see this, and uh, uh, I know that they're going to be very pleased to see me when I get home because they get to do a little bit less and I get to do a little bit more, right? As a matter of fact, I have this new book that uh, is out now co-authored with Jim Garrity uh, called Heavy Lifting, Grow Up, Get a Job, Start a Family, and Other Manly Advice, and in the book, I talk about how it's the, the it's not our job as parents to make sure that every day 
is the best day ever for our kids, right? It's our job as parents to make sure that when our kids are adults, that they're functioning, responsible adults who can handle themselves. They can they can do things like cook dinner. They can uh, wash their clothes. They can again they can function on their own, right? So it it has been nice to see that uh, uh, even the youngest kids are capable of shouldering uh, some of that responsibility. But it's also um, it, it's been good for me to actually shoulder some of that responsibility. There was uh, the day after Missy broke her ankle. Uh, it was a, a Sunday, and I was going to be leaving for you know a few days. So there was a lot that I had to get done around the house, and uh, and and I was able to do it. You know, I went to the grocery store, got food for the week, went to the dump because we have to take our own trash to the dump. Uh, cooked a, uh, a wonderful pork carnitas uh, actually with the. Uh, the verbal help of Miss E, um, and it turned out absolutely spectacular. Doing the laundry, walking the dogs, doing all that other stuff. Um, it, you know, it's it's a. It gave me just in twenty four hours a uh, a reminder uh, of all that Miss E does around the house. You know, I'm I'm I think I'm fairly aware of this to begin with. I, I'd like to think that I'm not completely oblivious. Uh, to all that she does, but uh, I, I told her Sunday night. I said I, I listed off my accomplishments for the day. I said I feel like super dad, which probably means that I've I, I'm like average mom, right? Uh, because of all that I've done here. And she laughed. She thought that was pretty amusing. So hopefully Miss E will be back with us uh, on the program next week. Uh, unfortunately, she's uh, just not with me today. But I will send her. Uh, your best wishes, and of course, you can send them along as well. The email address is 40acrefool at gmail.com, 40acrefool at gmail.com. That's a four zero acre fool. And uh, feel free to send your uh, best wishes and your get well thoughts, and uh, hopefully, the, uh, the time will pass quickly, and soon the cast will be off, and we can get back to our, uh, our regular life. I, I, I know that uh, Missy is just, you know, looking at the weeks stretching out here and heading into the holiday season. She's already said, I, we're not gonna, I'm not going to be able to cook Thanksgiving dinner. and I, It's okay. We'll get it done. We'll get it covered. Even for Christmas, we can do it. I mean, this is, you know, this you know this. This is what happens when you're faced with challenges and setbacks as an adult, right? You just shoulder up, persevere, and you go and you get it done. Uh, I do feel bad for Missy, though, because uh, it, it, like I said, she is not used to it. Is, this is not her normal setting. Um, stuck in neutral, right? So I know that uh, she would love to hear your uh, your thoughts and, and book recommendations, movie recommendations. Um, I'm sure that she would appreciate those as well. Uh, and, uh, and we'll keep you informed as to uh, Missy's progress here. Uh, coming up, the, the 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 one good thing, I guess, um, not that there's a good thing about breaking your ankle, but um, if it had to happen, I'm I'm glad that it happened after the growing season uh, was over. We've already had our freeze. We don't have to worry about uh, weeding or uh, really, you know, getting a lot of food right now. So it's uh, the, the the winter chores are a lot easier, uh, and there are a lot fewer than uh, what we have right now. When we get into the the really cold winter, you know, below freezing, and we're lugging uh, uh, pails of water out to uh, each of the animals because the, the, the pump outside is frozen, uh, that's going to be a little bit of a pain in the neck. Uh, but we'll do it. And we've been very lucky right now that uh, it's been very, very fall-like, uh, even though it's November. Highs in the 70s, lows in the 40s or 50s. So... Uh, all of the critters are doing great. We haven't lost a chicken uh, in weeks. I have to knock on some wood there. Uh, they've been we've been letting them out again. They've been roaming free during the day. The goats have been running around, and uh, again, so far we haven't seen any coyotes. Haven't seen any foxes return to the area. I'd, I'd like to think that the uh, the coyotes and the uh, foxes are maybe getting a little thinned out uh, from uh, uh, the the hunters that are around. Uh, and we've had some friends actually who've taken, had some uh, chickens taken by hawks, but we have not uh, had any of our hens disappear from the uh, predators in the sky. So, so that's good. Uh, things are, are fairly copacetic uh, on the farm outside of that broken ankle. So I, I think that uh, even though Miss E is 
uh, waylaid for a few weeks. I, I, I feel comfortable and confident that the uh, kids and I can do that heavy lifting. <clears throat> Gratuitous book plug there. Uh, we can do that heavy lifting, and uh, we can we can get it done. So that when she uh, heals up and the cast comes off, everything is still standing. <laughs> everything is is as it should be. That, that's my goal, anyway. Uh, I want to make sure that when the, the cast comes off, that the first thing Missy does is not run around the farm saying, ah, you've let it fall apart. So we're not going to make that. We're not going to let that happen. And it should be noted as well that uh, this is not actually the the worst uh, I think experience that, that uh, Missy has had to go through right after the twins were born. Uh, we had such poor timing when we planned this out because we did sort of plan it out, but we didn't think about what might be going on on the calendar right around the time that the uh, the, the twins were born. So uh, 2005, end of March, uh, our beautiful babies are born, and two weeks later, I have to go to Houston, Texas for the NRA annual meeting. <laughs> Literally, like two weeks. And, uh, yeah, and we realized it's about two or three weeks before our twins were born. I said, oh, this is not, this this could be bad. And uh, that was the one moment where Missy uh, said, listen, I, I need help, right? Uh, she doesn't say that very often. She's, she's not the type of person to ask for help. But she said immediately, I'm going to need help while you're gone. And, uh, and so we had a friend of hers uh, come stay for a few days when I was at the NRA annual meeting. That was hard. This time, actually, you know, the uh, the twins, the now 10, and they're able to uh, to step up and, and help out. So hopefully this will go a, a little bit easier for Miss E uh, and for everybody. All right, we're going to take a, a quick time out. Thank you so much for being a part of this edition of 40 Acres and a Fool from the Blaze Radio Network. We will be back with more right after this quick time out. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. This podcast brought to you by My Patriot Supply. Did you miss the chance to get a 72-hour emergency food supply with free shipping for just 10 bucks? What's wrong with you? Don't worry, call 888-411-7440 right now. They have a few left, and they're selling out fast. 888-411-7440. What are you waiting for? A disaster? Do it right now. 888-411-7440. Welcome back to 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to 40 Acres and a Fool from the Blaze Radio Network. Cam Edwards, your host, away from the near frontier this week, but I will be back uh, before long, and I'm I'm looking forward to getting home. Uh, you know, I, I I did this for about a year and a half. Talk about a little bit uh, in the book, heavy lifting, where I uh, stayed up uh, in the uh, D.C. area during the week, and uh, and then I would drive back home uh, for the weekends, and occasionally I'd, I'd I'd make the drive on a Wednesday night just to be able to sleep in my own bed and you know see my kids and Missy e and uh, take the kids to school in the morning. Uh, so I, I, I don't have these long trips away uh, very frequently. And uh, when I do, it's uh, it's kind of crummy. You know, I'll be really honest with you. But I, I, listen, I could have a, a lot worse. There are a lot of guys out there, men and women actually, around the world who are uh, separated from their family for a lot longer than four or five days. So I, uh, I try not to complain. I try to think about actually how lucky I am that I get to go home at the end of a week instead of... Uh, being deployed overseas for eight, nine, ten, eleven months, we uh, we have adopted a a sailor uh, on board the uh, USS Iwo Jima, and you know they're gone uh, for months and months and months at a time. And uh, in, in talking with uh, this uh, seaman who we've, uh, I say adopted, um, who we've gotten to know, and we send him care packages. You know, again, it's it's certainly given me a much greater appreciation. Uh, for the men and women of our military, and I'd like to think that I already have that appreciation. I mean, we lived in a uh, community with a lot of military members when we lived in Northern Virginia, so I, I had friends who uh, were on multiple deployments to Iraq and Afghanistan. But you know, it's easy to forget um, when you are not surrounded or when you are not uh, involved with uh, people's lives who are in the military. You know, if 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 you don't know somebody who is active duty. Uh, or, or somebody who has served, and 
you don't you don't get a chance to talk with them, it's really easy to put it out of your mind that uh, you know there are uh, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of uh, people around this country who are making these sort of sacrifices, again for a lot longer than uh, four or five days. So it does help keep things into perspective. Uh, when I have to travel. And as a matter of fact, um, I'll give you a sneak peek. Uh, we haven't even talked about this on NRA News Cam and Company yet, but uh, coming up in a couple of weeks uh, on NRA News Cam and Company, I'm very, very excited. We are going to be uh, talking to a, a genuine uh, American hero who's going to be sitting in with us, uh, uh, Staff Sergeant Clinton Romache, uh, U.S. Army retired Medal of Honor recipient. Uh, we'll be spending some time with us, and uh, I'm, I'm so looking forward to having uh, Clint Romache uh, in our studio so we can talk about uh, his experience in the military, of course, the uh, the, the day uh, in Afghanistan where he exhibited such valor and heroism. Uh, but here's the thing, you know, the, 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 the Medal of Honor is um, uh, awarded to those who have displayed that courage and that valor and that bravery, those who have gone above and beyond but generally, we're talking about um, a day, right, or maybe two days in a person's life that does not make their entire life. And yet, once you have been uh, awarded the Medal of Honor, that 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 is sort of how you're identified, right? For the rest of your life, uh, one of the big uh, public markers as to who you are is based on that that one day or two uh, in your life. And I've, I've always thought that was that must be hard uh, for individuals who have received the Medal of Honor because uh, I, I know to them um, that day does not define them. And the actions that they took uh, that uh, uh, were recognized uh, with the Medal of Honor do not necessarily define them either. It is because of who they are. It is because of, of all of the experiences that they have had, the mentors, the family relationships. Um, it's all of that, that that allows these individuals to act with such courage and valor and bravery, right? Uh, it's a lifetime that goes into uh, that moment or that, uh, that day, those actions uh, that lead to uh, receiving the Medal of Honor. And and every one of the uh, Medal of Honor recipients that I have had the uh, absolute privilege of speaking to, and uh, I've, I've spoken with several, I'll tell you, uh, every one of them has tried to deflect attention away from themselves and has tried to uh, put the attention and the focus on uh, their fellow soldiers, uh, their team members, the uh, guys who did not come back home, and I, I got to tell you, I mean, that's such a different way of, of approaching, uh, I guess, your life compared to what we see throughout uh, most of society and, and, and pop culture, where it's the, the focus is all on you, right? Uh, for example, look at uh, Quentin Tarantino and these comments that he made at a uh, protest a couple weeks ago where he said, listen, I've got to call a murderer a murderer, and I've got to call murderers murderers. Uh, I've got to call it like I see it. And since then, you know, you've had uh, police officer organizations from around the country say that they're going to boycott Quentin Tarantino's movies. Tarantino pops up again and, and basically uh, says, look, I, I don't hate all cops. I didn't call all cops murderers. But let me tell you about these police organizations and what they're doing. And they're trying to deflect attention. Again, made it all about him, Right. All of a sudden, this isn't about police brutality. It's not about law enforcement officers. Now, all of a sudden, it's about Quentin Tarantino. Uh, and then other celebrities start chiming in. Uh, Mark Ruffalo, the uh, the Incredible Hulk on uh, a Twitter, uh, tweets out, you know, artists have to be able to speak their mind, and they have to be able to... Nobody's saying you can't. Nobody is saying you can't. First of all, uh, as I responded to uh, Mark Ruffalo on Twitter, you're not an artist. Buddy, I watched the Avengers: Age of Ultron not long ago. That was not art; that was entertainment. Uh, and and you know, half the time you're you're not even you; you're a CGI character uh, on screen. You're not philosopher kings living in the Hollywood Hills. You're court jesters. You are there to entertain us, right? You're not. I, I don't. I don't think of Hollywood as an art factory. I think of Hollywood as the place where the entertainment industry is headquartered. 
But even if, even if you want to say, all right, fine, you guys are what passes for artists today. Quentin Tarantino uh, took this moment, which was originally uh, in his mind where he's out there protesting against police brutality, and somehow turned it into all about him, right? He, he, he's now talking about him and his upcoming movie and uh, what these police officers are doing to him and what these police organizations are doing to him now. The, the larger uh, focus that Quentin Tarantino had when he went out to this protest has somehow disappeared, and now it's all about the celebrity, right? It's just such a different attitude than what you find uh, in our military and what you find from, uh, again, these, these real heroes, not these uh, cinematic heroes, but these real heroes that we have uh, in America who don't make it all about themselves, who are always talking about the men and women that they uh, served with, the men that they fought with, the men uh, who died in their presence, who should never be forgotten, who should always be honored. It is such a 180-degree uh, experience from listening to the average vapid celebrity opine about how important they are, right? Listen, I would much rather, any day, any day, I would rather hang out with uh, Clinton Romache than Quentin Tarantino. Any day. That's not even close. So while I'm sad that uh, Clint will not get a chance to uh, join us on the farm, I am excited that uh, we get to spend a little range time with uh, Clint Romache here in the next couple of weeks. So I'll let you know more about that on NRANews.com uh, just as uh, soon as we get to know more details. But we've got a lot of cool stuff coming up on uh, NRA News, Cam and Company. I, I should mention, uh, you can find that show, of course, live every weekday, 2 to 5 Eastern, on NRANews.com. Also on demand, on uh, uh, well, uh, we're also on midnight Eastern, 9 Pacific, on Sirius X and Patriot 125. And then we are on demand, uh, on iHeartRadio, and this is really cool. I don't think I've talked about this on uh, 40 Acres and a Fool, but it is well worth noting. Uh, we now have a Roku channel for NRA News, and you can get NRA News Cam and Company uh, each and every day on the Roku channel, but you can also get all of the other excellent programming that uh, NRA News is producing there on the Roku channel. So you can get all of the commentaries uh, from Colian Noir and from uh, Dom Rosso and from Gabby Franco. You can get uh, I Am Forever and Defending Our America and Love It First Shot and all of these fantastic programs that uh, NRA News is producing. It's all right there now uh, on our Roku channel in addition to our website. So you can watch it on your TV. You can watch it on your laptop. You can uh, listen to it. Uh, from your uh, smartphone. We want to make sure that there are as many different ways as possible for you to get the latest Second Amendment news and information each and every day on NRA News Cam and Company. And as a matter of fact, when we come back after a, a quick time out here on this edition of 40 Acres in a Fool, one of the big political races all across the country this year actually came down to uh, a little community not too terribly far from the 40 acres, a little community called Powhatan, Virginia. This was where Bloomberg squared off against the Bumpkins in the uh, Virginia elections. And you know what? The Bumpkins won. We'll talk about it right after this here on 40 Acres and a Fool from the Blaze Radio Network. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. As the debt continues to climb, we won't be able to come up with any more money to pay down the debt because we'll be paying all of our money to interest. And that's the death spiral of the United States of America. We're going to kick the can down the road. And you know what? We're going to pile debt upon debt so we don't have to deal with it right now. So we don't have the headache right now. So we don't have to stand up to the most feckless and irresponsible occupier of the Oval Office this country has ever seen. Chris Salcedo. Saturdays, noon to 3 p.m. Eastern. On the Blaze Radio Network. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. Still to come on this episode of 40 Acres and a Fool, we're going to find out what has been going on in your world. We'll check in via email in just a little bit. But uh, in addition to the broken ankle for Missy, probably one of the uh, the biggest story for, for, for everyone, not just uh, my family, but the biggest story for everyone in uh, my area of Virginia and really around the country 
was the elections in uh, Virginia, the off-year elections. We have uh, our statewide elections in the years that uh, we don't have big races on the ballot. So turnout's a little bit lower. Uh, In fact, it was estimated to be below uh, 30% in the state of Virginia for elections this year. And the former mayor of New York, Michael Bloomberg, thought that he could come in, drop a lot of money uh, in some contested races, and he thought that he could flip Virginia's state Senate from uh, being a pro-gun body to being an anti-gun body. And he spent more money on these two races than anybody really remembers uh, being spent before uh, on a state Senate race in Virginia. So there were two races that he focused on. Uh, One was in Northern Virginia, the 29th district. This was held by a a Democrat who was retiring. It was an open seat. And he spent, uh, Bloomberg did, about a million and a half dollars uh, every town for uh, gun safety spent a uh, million and a half dollars on this race trying to keep that seat Democratic. And you know what? The Democrat won. Uh, but it was not enough for Michael Bloomberg because he also had to flip a seat in the 10th Senate district in the state of Virginia. And that's uh, a, a district that encompasses a little bit of Richmond, Virginia, and then uh, suburban Chesterfield, and then uh, I guess the exurban uh, community of Powhatan, Virginia. Now, Powhatan, Virginia, I have to say, uh, if you've never been there before, uh, it, it's 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 pretty. I think it's prettier the farther west you go, <laughs> honestly, in Virginia. Powhatan, uh, to me, what I know Powhatan for, is they have the best donuts in the state of Virginia in Powhatan. Oh, they are so good. This is where we get the maple, bacon, blueberry donuts. Mm-hmm. The uh, place is called uh, Sweet Shop Donuts Cafe. And if there are any reporters out there who want to do a follow-up story on what makes Powhatan tick, you are welcome. Just go in there, go to the Sweet Shop Donuts Cafe, get a donut or two, and then uh, you can talk to the locals with a a smile on your face and a belly full of donuts. Uh, Anyway, it it came down to Powhatan uh, in the uh, 10th Senate District. Uh, uh, The turnout in Richmond, Virginia was uh, very anti-gun. And it was, uh, turnout was pretty good in in Virginia uh, and in the Richmond area. Uh, And so on election night, the numbers are coming in and it looks like the anti-gun candidate had about a 3,000 vote lead. And the only precincts that it left to check in were those precincts in Powhatan. Now, Powhatan is a fairly conservative area. Back in 2012, uh, Mitt Romney won these precincts. And in fact, he won those precincts by about 7,200 votes uh, over Barack Obama. But that's a presidential election year. As I said, this is an off-year election. Turnout plummets in these off-year elections. So could, uh, that was the big question, could Glenn Sturdivant, the uh, Republican candidate, could he make up that 3,000-vote difference just in this ex-urban, read, rural community? And sure enough, he could, and he did. He got about 5,000 more votes than the uh, anti-gun candidate Dan Gecker got uh, in the uh, community of Powhatan. Uh, turnout, again, remarkably high for an off-year election. Uh, and it was remarkably high among those gun owners and supporters of the Second Amendment. Dan Gecker only got, I think, 22% in these uh, communities, in these precincts in Powhatan. And so the uh, the anti-gun candidate ended up losing in the 10th Senate District of Virginia. The pro-gun candidate won. The Virginia State Senate stays in the hands of Republicans, but it also stays a pro-gun majority. There are a couple of pro-gun Democrats uh, in the Virginia State Senate as well. And so Bloomberg didn't get his way. He spent millions of dollars. He didn't get his way. Terry McAuliffe, the governor of Virginia, uh, has a lot of uh, egg on his face because he went all out to try to flip the Senate. Over the last four days before the Virginia elections, McAuliffe did, I think, 24 campaign appearances all around the state. And he had guys like Senator Mark Warner and Senator Tim Kaine. He had the uh, lieutenant governor, the attorney general appearing with him, and then, of course, the local Democratic candidates. And all that got Terry McAuliffe was a continuation of the status quo. He did not flip a single seat Uh, This is uh, big news in Virginia. It's going to be largely ignored by the national media. There was a blip the day afterwards, and there was some recognition that uh, Michael Bloomberg getting involved in this race uh, in the uh, 10th Senate District uh, probably hurt the Democrat more than it uh, helped the Democrat. You know, again, you can flood the airwaves with these uh, anti-gun commercials, and you can spend uh, millions of dollars, but what that does... In, a, uh, in an area that is uh, uh, not particularly anti-gun, 
uh, is it uh, it reminds people that this is an issue. Uh, I think it actually spurs gun owners to uh, to be more active uh, and involved. And this is a uh, th- th- look. This was a, a test, I think, for uh, Bloomberg. It's not like every town is going to fold up shop, uh, but they're going to be thinking about okay, well, what can we do here if if uh, television ads are not the way to go? Because that just riles people up, right? And that gets people aware that, uh-oh, we're running anti-gun candidates. i got to get involved. What can we do then to motivate uh, our core anti-gun base as well as try to persuade people uh, to vote for an anti-gun candidate without actually uh, raising the awareness level uh, of uh, gun owners and pro-Second Amendment candidates that this is a race that they need to pay attention to? So it may be that in 2016, you don't see as many television ads or as many radio ads. Uh, I think that uh, you might see some more targeted advertising efforts. You might see more online ads uh, geared towards people in uh, a, a battleground states or in battleground districts. Um, the, the, you might see some mailers, uh, but I think that they're going to uh, try to go with the online uh, routes and try to uh, connect people with the, uh, the anti-gun message. Uh, in, in that sort of one-on-one experience. You know, we saw this a little bit back in uh, 2012. There were a lot of, of, of web ads that you, if you're a conservative or you, if you're a Republican, you probably never saw, right? Because they weren't designed for you. So uh, you weren't going to see this uh, 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 banner ad or you weren't going to see this uh, 15-second uh, online video play for you uh, unless you actually went out and sought out uh, this ad, I want to see what everybody's talking about. Unless you did that, the ads would would never appear for you, right? Because you can target certain websites, you can target uh, through cookies, uh, individual uh, users, and specific uh, voters. So I, I think we're going to see more of that than this sort of blanketing of the airwaves uh, in uh, 2016, at least from the anti-gun side. Now, when it comes to the pro-Second Amendment side, uh, I cannot say enough about the volunteers in the state of Virginia that walked neighborhoods, knocked on doors, uh, made phone calls. We were outspent uh, in the state of Virginia considerably compared to uh, Michael Bloomberg. And, you know, look, I I don't think that we as gun owners uh, can compete dollar for dollar with the uh, anti-gun former mayor of New York. But I don't think that we have to compete dollar for dollar. Money counts. Money is important. Uh, but it's not everything, right? Uh, what, what, what we have, uh, in addition to uh, folks who can contribute whatever they can uh, financially to uh, election causes, we have the grassroots. We have passionate voters who we can mobilize, but we also have passionate volunteers who can get out there and be part of that mobilization effort. And I want to see more of that. I hope that we see more of that over the next year. I would encourage you, if you have never volunteered for a campaign before, do so this year. If you've never volunteered through the National Rifle Association, uh, uh, please do so. You can go to NRAILA.org. You can click on the Grassroots Division tab. You can find out who your local election volunteer coordinator is. Uh, that's sort of the super volunteer in your area. And and you may not have one. You, that, that may be a job that, that you can fulfill. Uh, but they are sort of the volunteer coordinator for your area. And I know we're a year away from the elections, but I'm telling you, now's a really good time to start thinking about it and to start getting involved. It, 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 it doesn't have to become a full-time job. Uh, although I know many volunteers who put in 20, 30 hours a week as we get closer to election days. We actually had a couple of NRA board members, uh, Tim Knight and Sean Maloney, who came into Virginia from out of state. You know, Tim was involved in the Colorado recalls. Sean Maloney, a, a former NRA ILA Volunteer of the Year award winner, and he lives in Ohio. Uh, these guys came in to Virginia to volunteer uh, for these elections. They did it on their own dime, their own time. And, and this is what they do. Now, not everybody is going to have that dedication. Not everybody is going to be able to take a, a time off from work or away from their family to go and spend a week in another state uh, involved, uh, you know, working on the ground level to, to drive out, uh, drive up voter turnout. But if you have five hours a week, if you have two hours a week, there is still a role, a, a valuable role that you can play 
what we what we really can't have in over the course of the next year um, are people sitting on the couch, right, and thinking, well, somebody else will do it, or ah, it's not really that important, or ah, I don't like any of the candidates anyway. You're fighting for your rights. You're standing up for you. Even if there's not a candidate out there that you're in love with, frankly, that's okay. I'm not sure that you should be in love with any candidates. There are still good candidates out there uh, all around the country who will stand up and fight uh, for your right to keep and bear arms, for our freedom of expression, for for, for all of those rights that we hold dear that are enshrined uh, in the Bill of Rights. Uh, There are those out there who are fighting for that. And you can be one of those individuals, even if it's not as a candidate, you can be one of those individuals as a volunteer. And that's what it is going to take. If we want to see success in 2016, if we want to secure our rights, we want to start to turn this around uh, from what we've seen over the last eight years, it will take effort. You don't get a participation trophy just for voting. Absolutely, please go out and vote. I'm not saying don't. But that's the bare minimum, is to get out and actually cast your vote. Uh, We need more than the bare minimum. We need people who will be able to put in a little bit of that sweat equity. Uh, I I say sweat equity. It really is not very sweaty work to make a phone call or or, uh, walk around and uh, knock on doors and talk to people. But it does take a commitment. It does take uh, that uh, desire to do more and to be more than just an apathetic voter. And if we can, again, mobilize in races all around the country, uh, we can uh, make sure that the, uh, the anti-gun movement has a very bad election day in 2016, just like they did in uh, 2015. All right. We need to take a, a quick time out. When we return here on 40 Acres and a Fool from a uh, pro-gun Virginia... Love being able to say that. Uh, we're going to get to some of your thoughts. The email address, as always, is 40acrefool at gmail.com. 40acrefool at gmail.com. Stick around. We'll be back with more right after this from the Blaze Radio Network. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. I know some of you think it won't happen, but imagine for just one moment that this wasn't a Russian plane, that it was a plane full of Americans. You don't think that the U.S. mentality would change very rapidly? I'm telling you, we are one severe incident away from not 50 individuals with boots on the ground, but 5,000. Buck Sexton, weekdays, noon to 3 p.m. Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. So if the worst moment of the week was uh, Missy breaking her ankle and the best moment of the week was Michael Bloomberg and uh, Everytown and Terry McAuliffe failing uh, in their goals on Election Day, a, a close second uh, to, to uh, the Election Day being the, the coolest event of the week, uh, was the uh, book release party for Heavy Lifting, the uh, book that I have co-authored with Jim Garrity, Grow Up, Get a Job, Start a Family, and Other Manly Advice. It is available now at uh, your major booksellers like barnesandnoble.com, amazon.com. If your local bookstore doesn't have it, uh, please request it. They will uh, they will buy it. They will they will get it in stock, and then uh, you can purchase it, or you can uh, just you know go on and online and uh, download the book. It's available as a, a Kindle and available as an ebook, I believe, on the uh, Apple Store as well. Uh, and it makes a fantastic uh, Christmas present, maybe even a uh, Thanksgiving present as well. Now, I do have to thank uh, everyone who's purchased the book. We've had a, a really strong first week, and uh, and I hope that that continues through the holiday period. Um, it was a, it was a, 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 listen, this is my first book. So this is my first book release party. I've, I've gone to several before, uh, as a guest, but, uh, uh, never when it was a, a book that I had written and it was, I, I, I allowed myself to, uh, uh, to enjoy the moment. It's a little weird, you know, it's still a little weird to look at a book and see your name on it. Um, but it was a fantastic evening. We had a lot of uh, friends that were, uh, from the D.C. area who uh, made it over to the National Review offices. I actually 
first time in I can't tell you how many months I actually went into the District of Columbia. I try to avoid actually going into D.C. as often as possible. But uh, for this, I made an exception. Uh, my co-author Jim was there with his family. I got to see some uh, friends who had uh, been away for a while. And uh, it was a it was a wonderful evening. So I have to thank uh, Amy at National Review for helping to put that together. And, of course, uh, uh, the great folks at Regnery for... Uh, believing in this book and for uh, putting this book out, as I uh, said in in the uh, brief remarks that I made at the uh, release party, it as a reader, and I've always considered myself more of a reader than a writer. Uh, and as a reader, to be associated with a book, to be involved uh, with a book that uh, was published by Regnery, is something pretty special. Um, one of my favorite books of all time, top five easily probably top three, is uh, the book Witness, published by Whitaker Chambers, which uh, came out uh, as a regnery book in, uh, was it 1951, I believe it was. Uh, Regnery's been around for a long time, and they have put out some classics of uh, conservative thought and uh, in history and politics. And so to, uh, to have that, uh, that publishing house associated with uh, the book Heavy Lifting that uh, Jim and I have written is... It's just it's 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 pretty special. It's pretty cool, and uh, that was a a pretty neat evening. Uh, but now we we move on past the party, and now we get back to the uh, process of selling books. Jim and I will be on various radio shows over the next few weeks around the country. We've been doing a lot of interviews. Uh, actually, apparently, we've done forty uh, different interviews over the past week or so promoting the uh, new book, and there will be more to come. So, uh, be sure to uh, check out. Uh, the latest at uh, Regnery's website on uh, heavy lifting. And I'll try to keep you updated on uh, interviews and uh, shows that we'll be doing talking about the book. And, of course, we end up talking about politics. We end up talking about guns and other stuff as well. We did a, uh, a great interview with the uh, uh, Coffee and Markets show that uh, should be up uh, before long. And I would encourage you to check that out. Uh, Brad and Allison were just fantastic hosts. They had read the book. They were uh, asking uh, interesting questions. It was a, it was a really good conversation. I really appreciate the, them having me on to talk about uh, heavy lifting. I also appreciate the emails that uh, you have sent in to 40 acre fool at gmail.com over the uh, last week or so. Robin uh, wrote in, she says, uh, Cam and Missy, I'm catching up on your podcast this morning. And I wanted to let you know that you can absolutely grow apples in central Virginia without spraying them. Robin is in Western Amelia County, just next door to you. And just three miles down the road from here, my friend, she says, has an orchard, pears and apples. She says the trees have been there for 30 years or more. And because her friend and her husband both work full-time off-farm, they prune their trees, they thin their uh, fruit set, and then they pick their fruit. That's it. That's it, Robin says. She says their apples sometimes come off the tree at harvest with black fungal spots that wipe off easily or with other blemishes that in no way affect flavor. She says there's a reason I have an image in my memory of a grocer polishing the apples in his display. Typically, she says the fruit isn't buggy at all. It's not grocery store perfect. But it's still perfectly good eats. You know, Robin, that's, that's a really interesting way of saying it. It's not grocery store perfect, right? There are, I, I even noticed myself this summer as we're, you know, picking tomatoes. Uh, some of these tomatoes, I'm like, man, I don't know, it's a little spotty. It's perfectly fine. Uh, you'd probably pass it over to a grocery store, right? Because it's not that grocery store perfect. But it's natural, and it's still delicious. So that's a really, actually, it's a really important point that food doesn't necessarily, even the natural food, right? Even the fruits and veggies don't necessarily look like uh, they do in the grocery stores. And that's okay. Robin says, might I suggest Michael Phillips' book, The Holistic Orchard? Uh, Robin says he advocates a certain amount of spraying, but it's compost tea, not copper, uh, copper sulfate or uh, malathion. And she says, my friend does none of this. She says, but fair warning, once you start down this path, you might find yourself hunched in a corner over a microscope or watching your friend's eyes glaze over because you're always talking about hypha strands or fungal duff or worm castings and uh, protozoa. I think I saw a fungal duff open up. No, that was Hillary Duff that I'm thinking of. Never mind. Sorry about that, Robin. She says, uh, you may find yourself committing such heresies as not liming and fertilizing or rotating your crops, even your blighted tomatoes. She says you may even badmouth the guys who analyze your soil tests at Virginia Tech because their tests are worthless to this new way of thinking about soil life and its effect on plant health. 
Uh, Robin says uh, other resources are Dr. Elaine Ingram and Simple Soil Solutions or me, she says, though I'm still quite new to these concepts and I'm still trying to put all the pieces together successfully. But uh, Robin is actually in Farmville every weekend at the uh, farmer's market at the Step Center. So, Robin, I tell you what, I, I will come by and see you. And it is great to hear from another neighbor. Thank you so much for writing in. I really appreciate the book recommendation, The Holistic Orchard. Uh, I, I'm very curious. Just because I read it doesn't mean I'll adopt it, but I have no problem whatsoever uh, reading this book and looking for uh, new ideas. And I'm, I'm really, really thankful that uh, you wrote in to let me know that your friend is, in fact, growing apples and pears uh, without any of the sprains. So thank you for taking the time to uh, write in, Robin. It's fantastic uh, getting to meet you, at least uh uh, online. Hopefully, I get to meet you in person here soon. Also, John wrote in says, uh, "Cam, you said it was okay to send a long email, so here you go. Uh, my take on the 27 ways to be a modern man article from the New York Times." John says, "I'd also like to wish Missy a wonderful belated birthday. Hope everything went great. It did. It did. Uh, and as always, John says, I look forward to your next podcast. Well, thank you, John. I appreciate this and the uh, John's take on the." 27 ways to be a modern man you know this was in the new york times i had a response piece about this to talking about the uh, the timeless man uh and uh, john i'm gonna kind of skip around through your uh, uh through your emails here uh buying shoes for your spouse right according to the modern man in the new york times a modern man can go and he can go shoe shopping for his wife and not only does he know what kind of shoes she wants uh, without even asking, he knows what uh, brands of women's shoes run large or small. I guess I'm not a modern man then, right? Can, uh, John says, uh, I have to admit that I've done this. He says, once before my wife and I were married and she was with me when we bought the shoes and once after. Okay, see, here's the thing. If she was with you, doesn't count, John. Doesn't count. You have to go shop four shoes for your wife without her there. You have to know what she wants and you have to know the size and you have to know whether they run large or small. Going shopping for shoes, even if you purchase the shoes and your wife's there, doesn't count. Doesn't that that that's not the modern man shoe shopping. Um anyway, John says uh, the first time was when we went on a date to the Heartland Friends of the NRA dinner at the Cowboy Hall of Fame. I love it. Love it. He says, but I uh, don't believe that you have to know your spouse's size or even have to buy her shoes in order to be a modern man. Just try to know the little things about her and let her know that you know. See, that's a really good point, John. It's not... It, this is one of my problems with the, uh, the, the, the article in the New York Times or the opinion piece in the New York Times. That there was a lot of stuff that I saw was extraneous, right? Like, the modern man has hardware floors. No, the modern man doesn't really... I mean, the modern man can have carpet, Right. The modern man wears Kenneth Cole shoes. I, not necessarily. He could wear Nakona boots. You know, it, it's not about the, the brand. It's not about the extraneous stuff. It's not about, uh, I know uh, that, uh, see, I was, I was going to try to rattle off a name of a woman's shoe. I can't. I don't, I don't know any Skechers. <laughs> I was going to buy my wife a pair of Skechers, but I uh, realized I, I didn't know if they ran large or small. no. But if you do know, hey, you know, my my wife likes yarn. My wife likes, uh, actually, Missy doesn't like flowers. She does not like for me to buy flowers because they die. She says it's a waste of money. She likes the permanent things, right? She also doesn't really like jewelry either. I, I lucked out. Uh, but uh, if you do know uh, what uh, your spouse likes, and this works both ways. This is not just for uh, men uh, and women. Uh, it is... It's nice to actually, you know, treat somebody to something special, even if it's a, a magazine. Uh, when you go to the grocery store, hey, I saw this uh, new magazine and I thought you might like it because uh, there was an article in here that, uh, that, that they talk about that, that reminded me of you or something like that. Little things like that, I think, are much more important than uh, knowing your spouse's shoe size, right? In fact, uh, number 19 on the New York Times, 27 Ways to Be a Modern Man, was always buy your wife fresh flowers. Uh, I think we just kind of went over that here. John says, it depends on the woman. Allergies must be considered. But never wait, he says, for a need to give a gift of any kind, makeup or otherwise, to your wife or girlfriend. It, I, again, I, I think you're absolutely right about that, John. I am one of those people who likes to, I like to treat people, right? And it's not big stuff. It's just little things to let people know, hey, I was thinking about you. Whether it's Miss E, whether it's my kids, whether it's uh, uh, friends, 
Uh, if I see something that reminds me uh, of, of somebody that I care about or that uh, I think that they would appreciate and enjoy uh, and I can, you know, offer them up just this little token of appreciation, uh, I like to do things like that. I think it's really important uh, to, to keep other people in mind like that. Uh, and it makes me feel good. And I would like to think that it makes them feel good as well. Now, as for the uh, as for the firearm. John says the modern man seems to never leave the island of Manhattan. And even there, there could be an argument, he says. I think the modern man is more vigilant and self-sufficient than the author gives him credit. John says my modern man may not own a gun, but he knows how to use one and respects and honors the freedom that he has to make the choice to buy a gun or not. Yeah, that's the thing, John. I, you know, look, I I don't think that... um, uh, owning a gun makes you a man. Frankly, I know far too many women who own guns for uh, me to make that statement. Uh, but I do think that you're absolutely right. That uh, the the modern man uh, and the modern woman, frankly, uh, should know how to use a firearm. They should uh, certainly uh, know how to be safe and responsible with a firearm. Um, and if they don't have that knowledge, if they want to remain... Uh, blissfully ignorant about all things gun, don't present yourself as an expert, right? I mean, that that's kind of a key. Of course, that would remove half of the uh, anti-gun tweets on Twitter, I suppose, if we uh, uh, put that rule in place. But uh, no, I, I don't think that you have to own a gun uh, to be a man. And I don't think that owning a gun makes you a man. But I do think that uh, uh, grown men and women take responsibility for their own safety. They take responsibility for the safety of their loved ones. Uh, And if that means that they uh, become a gun owner, if that means that, again, I think it encompasses a lot. I think it's everything from uh, knowing how to be safe and responsible with a firearm if you decide that you want to be a gun owner uh, to making sure that you lock your doors at night, making sure that uh, uh, there's, you know, gas in the tank and you've got uh, emergency supplies when a winter storm is coming. I think the... Uh, the modern man or the timeless man, whatever, 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 the adult, let's just call it that. I think the adult um, is prepared, certainly not for uh, every conceivable possible thing that could go wrong, but they are at least prepared to deal with and handle some of the big stuff and some of the expected stuff that might go wrong, right? Anyway, John, I appreciate uh, you writing in, sir. It's fantastic to hear from you. And uh, feel free, again, to uh, keep sending those long emails. Uh, We have to uh, get out of here, unfortunately. But I appreciate you being a part of this week's edition of 40 Acres and a Fool. I I think we'll be back uh, from the uh, near frontier next week. Uh, Not sure how we're going to arrange the microphones that... uh, uh, Miss E can recline comfortably off of her ankle, and we can still do the uh, podcast. But we'll we'll work it out. We'll see what we can do. Maybe we get a boom mic uh, hanging over uh, Miss E for next week. In the meantime, until we talk again, be safe, have fun, live a little, learn a lot, and we will see you here soon on another edition of Forty Acres and a Fool from the Blaze Radio Network. This is Forty Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. 